So what's your name? Dave Font. Like a font on a computer. And what first drew you to meditation? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm trying to remember back to that time. Um, oh, I remember the first time I was introduced to meditation. I think I was in like eighth grade, maybe like 12 or 13 years old, and some kids from the local high school came. And I remember being extremely resistant to it. But then at the end, just feeling so good. Um, but then, you know, I didn't continue on after that. I remember at the end thinking like, oh man, I need to do this more. But, um, but that was kind of like the one time early on I was exposed to it. And then I guess when, when I more like intentionally brought meditation into my life was when I was um, trying to get off of my ADD medication I'd been on for five years. Um, I'd been taking Vyvanse every day for five years. And it was great. Really helps with my ADD. Made me much more like effective at doing stuff, but ultimately I didn't want to be dependent on like a medication for my concentration. So started researching, you know, things that you can do instead of taking ADD meds, and um, meditation came up. Uh, so started giving it a try, and didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning, but um, then uh, just started experimenting with it, and then uh, started. Uh, I tried out the Calm app. Yeah, and they have a bunch of guided meditations there. Um, and they had like, a, you know, a 21 day starter thing. And that was really helpful. And then I met you. <laughs> um, and I definitely, as much as I think a lot of the like modern mindfulness meditation movement has this kind of like do it yourself approach. Um, I definitely see the times where I like had significant, I don't want to label it this, but like progress in my meditation was when I did have a teacher. Hmm. What do you think it is about the teacher uh, uh, being there, God, providing guidance? What is it that, that helps you to find more benefit in your practice? Hmm. Like, I think first and foremost, it's like the accountability yeah. thing even. Hmm. Even that um, when, when there is a teacher, I'm more likely to meditate. Um, so the number one thing I can track it towards is like, when I met you, we like, I started meditating more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but then beyond that, I think there's some level of like, uh, curiosity that I had that was given like more clear outlet. Like, uh, instead of the curiosity being this like open-ended thing where I end up being like super heady on the internet, mm -hmm. um, the curiosity took the form of, you know, maybe a question mm -hmm. that I asked you. And then, you know, maybe it would be theoretical for a second, but within 30 seconds, two minutes, you're like, stop talking and all of a sudden we're just trying it. Mm. Um, so really that like experiential approach that you can take with a teacher where like, curiosity has like a pretty, pretty short time to the like reward of like experience. Um, I think that's the feedback loop basically. Yeah, the feedback loop is much shorter than if I spend a bunch of time online. I can go down a wormhole for hours online and still not meditate. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've I've had experiences of, of I, I, for a long time I was I was in a medical issue and I, I was looking for healing and the things that worked were meditation. Mm. Um, and a lot of it I found I found online. I didn't have a teacher at that point, um, and I went deep and I found many many meditation practices, crazy meditation practices, uh, and that ended up actually kind of causing me some harm because um, I didn't have that 
I took on advanced practices that I found on the internet, and then, <laughs> and then with no meditation teacher. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting, interesting uh, issue. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, when I first quit my ADD medication, I just I couldn't even read mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember before it, I couldn't really read uh, so much. And now, do you notice? A, well, now I can read. read. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I can read without meditating now, but I think I've, like, built up a lot of concentration. Mm. Um, but if I meditate for, like, 15 minutes and then read, yeah. I can sit for, like, a solid hour, yeah. which which to someone listening to this might be like, oh, you can read for an hour. Great. Good on <laughs> you. An hour of reading is, like, that is, like, a huge, like, I've been building up to that for, like, two years since I quit my ADD medication. Oh, yeah. So, um. What does ADD feel like for you? Hmm. I, you know, now that I've experienced a lot of like meditation awareness practices, um, I feel like I have a lot more like language to describe it. So in meditation, we talk about this idea of like mindfulness as like sticking to the object that we've decided to concentrate on. Um, and like we keep bringing ourselves back and bringing ourselves back and bringing ourselves back. And I think probably most people, ADD or not, get distracted at times. Like, you know, that, that thought floats by or that squirrel runs by or something. And it grabs their attention. Um, I think the difference between like what I experience and then when I talk to people, what they, someone who like doesn't have ADD experiences, is the time, the gap between becoming distracted and noticing that I am distracted. Mm -hmm. um, before I got into mindfulness and stuff, that gap, like an hour, hours can go by before I realize I'm distracted. I can be doing nothing. Like I got distracted by one thing, like a squirrel ran by and I'm staring off into space and then I look at the time and like two hours have gone by. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm like, there's times where you're distracted and you're like messaging people on Facebook or doing social media, this stuff. I could just be like sitting there doing nothing mm -hmm. and like nothing productive happened in my mind. Like maybe my associative memory just like jumped a bunch, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool. Maybe something creative comes out of mm -hmm. there. Uh, but for the most part, I don't remember anything that happened in like somehow two hours have passed by. Oh. Um, so that was my experience, I guess, early on with ADD, where uh, time would just vanish. Yeah. Because I, I think everyone gets distracted, but that gap of, like, even noticing that you're distracted is, like, much shorter mm. than a couple hours. Mm -hmm. From my experience, a lot of my ADD issues uh, happened at school, and the teacher would be uh, telling me to concentrate on something, telling me to read something, and I just didn't really have an interest in it, and so it was impossible for me to focus my awareness um, on something that didn't provide me immediate feedback. It probably mm. had a lot to do with video games. I was about to bring up video games. <laughs> when I play video games, yeah. I can play video games for hours. Uh, like the amount of, I guess there's this idea of like, there's this like effortful uh, concentration. And then, so there's like the, the like getting the concentration onto the object. Uh -huh. And then there's the energy that it takes to sustain that concentration on the object. And with video games, mm -hmm. uh, the like activation energy, the barrier for like getting the concentration on the object is mm -hmm. like pretty low. Mm -hmm. And then the, the effort it takes to sustain that energy on there mm -hmm. is, is really low. Even though I might be pouring a ton of energy mm -hmm. into the video game, the effort it takes to focus that energy on it is like nothing. Like it's so seamless. Mm -hmm. um, I just got a great idea for 
teaching kids how to play video games mindfully because so w what I just heard from you was that when in meditation we focus on an object of meditation mm -hmm. um, and most traditionally that's been the breath um, mm -hmm. it can also be the sounds it can be anything in the current moment the idea is to bring the object or br use the object to bring ourselves into the current moment and and mm -hmm. deal with what is currently going on not with what we plan for the future or what we plan or what we what happened in the past uh, and so I'm realizing now as we're talking that video games themselves can be a meditative aspect because it is on so the current much. moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like there. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like aware of like any enemy that might attack. Yeah. And there, the separation between you and the video game, there is no separation. Oh, you are part of the dissolves. video game. Yeah. You, are, you are part of the internet, which is, uh, you know, Diana. Well, I think, uh, you know, something similar might be like, when I go out and play soccer, mm. when I'm on the pitch, like I am not anywhere else. Like mm. my brain is drained. Like I'm bah, 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 bah. Mm -hmm. um, just the activation energy for getting a soccer game together. Mm. Just getting a video game together. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I can just sign on to a video game. Yep. Getting a soccer game. I got to get like some Before friends going. Yeah. 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 Huh. And like, I can kind of get there for a little bit, kicking a ball around by myself, uh -huh. but like I can't stay there. Yeah. For a long as soon as that like energy of being on the field huh. and it's not even about like winning it's about just like in every moment huh. like everybody's got being their idea all on their there. goal too and it's also the group yeah. energy of everybody's all on the same page yeah yeah like i don't i don't care about the outcome at the end of the game so much as like in this moment what is like the best mm. move and feeling like agency uh -huh. in like whether it's a video game or running around playing soccer uh -huh. to like put myself in a better position to make the best move uh -huh. yeah you brought up uh, earlier like in class uh and like having trouble with your add in class in class in school i was able to just hyper focus at least when the teacher was talking, like mm. it really felt to me, I think I'm like very extroverted. It felt mm. to me like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think I have like almost unlimited energy to stay focused in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Mm. Um, so in class, like the rest mm. of the people in the class even dissolved. Like I didn't even have them in my present awareness. It was like a one-on-one -on -one conversation between me and the teacher. Mm. Now if the teacher asked me to like go and read something and was not engaging me, uh, you lost me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not there. Uh, um, but as, as long as the teacher was teaching, like I was just right there, like tunnel vision huh. locked in between me and the teacher. So yeah. how do you believe that ADD has, I don't want to put it too dualistically, but um, what are the benefits of, of ADD? Oh, yeah, I guess uh, I almost want to stop labeling it like ADD, even though mm -hmm. that's a useful label, that's mm -hmm. a useful label, but this kind of like uh, rapid jumping in the associative memory that like uh, is not so intentional. It just kind of happens. So with that rapid jumping in the associated memory, like right now I'm making music full time mm. and for writing music and doing things that use, use, uh, what we refer to as like the diffuse mm. brain versus like the, the focused or concentrated mm. brain, things that require the diffuse brain and that, 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 uh, benefit from this jumping in the associative memory, like freestyle, freestyle rap. I could freestyle for days. I got so many ways, I got so many plays, like, I don't know, like, I can just, I, like, if someone drops a beat, like, I'm ready anytime, like, I can just kind of, like, uh, let the focus this, go, uh, yeah. and just, like, like, let the, the, the chain of neurons or whatever it is fire off of my associative memory, where that, like, when I see squirrel, and the next thing I know, it's an elephant, tree, blah, blah, <laughs> like, now that's, like, a rap, uh, right? Yeah. 
Um, and it like kind of, it's not completely incohesive. Like there's some, like this is the associative memory jumping. So these things are somewhat related to each other. Um, and in a way where if I was like intentionally trying to focus on their connection, it might take me a really long time to establish that connection, but our, our associative memory can do it almost instantly. So, um, so in writing music, yeah. like this is just, uh, yeah, this is unfair advantage. I say, not unfair, but just like, it's, I can just, I can write music nonstop. Yeah. Like we can just go for hours and it um, doesn't drain you of energy um, right so yeah, eventually it might but okay. like for the most part like it just feels pretty effortless wow. yeah it's like putting myself it's like letting myself go into my ADD state uh-huh. yeah like if there was I don't know if you've seen Avatar the last thing I read her but he goes into like his avatar state uh-huh. like there's some element of like when I'm doing things that play towards that diffuse mm-hmm. mindset mm-hmm. Um, I can just go into like avatar mode where I'm like not even doing anything like it's just like inputs are passing in and the outputs are passing on there's like no actor in between almost so that's sounds like creative flow um yeah how do how does friction and not being in that state help you get into a creative flow is there any um connection between the friction state and the flow state the friction state essentially when you're not on it when you're feeling not connected to your creative source when you're Uh, when you're dealing with uh, minute tasks that get in the way and you're just kind of you know it happens a lot in programming or something like that where mm-hmm. you're just kind of like stuck on this little bug and it's just not moving mm. um and those states are necessary like they're they're yeah. part of life oh god i'm not so good at this yes <laughs> i don't think anybody <laughs> a lot is. of what made it like difficult for me to get like better at programming i guess a lot of my programming journey mm-hmm. now that you bring that up was had while i was on my ADD medication mm-hmm. and i've you know i've built a couple things since i quit my ADD medication now that I have more concentration, but it's, uh, but those moments when I'm stuck are just like the, yeah, the inclination towards doing something that, that jumps to like diffuse mode, uh, is like really, really high. How often do you experience a state of flow? Oh, I mean, we write music every day for like four hours and probably at least like an hour of those four hours were like, yeah, I guess the, the interesting thing about that state of flow is that like the, the friction states that precede it where like we're not making like where the associated memory is not jumping smoothly. Mm-hmm. Like we've so consistently gone from those like friction states that you're mentioning to the flow state that like now I just have like the, I don't know if it's patience or determination or like what it is. But I just know if we spend like 30 minutes and we just keep like freestyling, mm-hmm. then we'll hit a flow. Mm-hmm. Like, it almost feels like a groove in my mind that I just, like, I'm, like, trying to find grooves and, like, kind of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, jumping around and that. And then all of a sudden, I just glide into a groove. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, And then time through. takes on another conception, right? In those states, does time, oh, your okay. experience of time change? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, like, diffuse state that I was mentioning earlier where, like, hours pass by, I have yeah. no clue. Yeah. But in, in those moments of friction, time slows down, so to speak, right? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I'd say, like... I mean, when we're writing music, I think the key is to almost, like, put the distractions in another room. Uh-huh. Like, if I have my phone next to me and we're, like, in those friction states, like, I'm going to reach for it. Even if I just reach for it and click the, the lock button and then put it back down, like, I might have that awareness. But, like, if the phone's in the other room and I have no options, uh-huh. then, like, we can, it's much, then the time, yeah. I think there's something about like not being able to check time and not being able to just like easily jump out of the friction state into like a, a cognitive ease, like easier state. Mm. Um, that's really helpful. And, and I'm not sure time 
Yeah, I guess like time does slow down during those times, but if I can't look at the clock, I still like don't really know. Right. Yeah. And um, when did you first start making music, or when did that first start appearing mm. in your life in a big way? Why Why are you a musician? Well, my abuelita sings all the time. So like since I was a little kid, she would freestyle in a way like you walk in the room, and mi nietecito David, qué corazón. La hora del corazón. La hora del corazón. Like, she'll sing, like, like she'll just, uh, she almost moves through life, like, singing like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think a lot of it's probably picked up from her. I'm not sure when I started, like, uh, like coming up with my own stuff versus singing other people's stuff. But um, I definitely started with my air trumpet. My... Again, uh, even though that's not necessarily, like, associative memory jumping of, like, words, it does have this, like, Kind of associated memory like where i'm able to smoothly bump across like like i'm just playing it and like and i'm just able to hit notes that sound good with whatever i'm listening to um that might have started when i was like 12 or 13 and then uh i started freestyling in college when i met this guy eric toinberg who actually did my first podcast ever with him mm. uh and he started this like freestyle rap app mm. so we would and i was helping out Hmm. and uh, we would like freestyle our stand-ups like freestyle like what the status was and oh. stuff like that uh, so that's when I started freestyling and freestyling is a lot of what evolved into my songwriting process and um, because you 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 have been in the tech world and um, was that when you were organizing hackathons was that how you were thinking long term that you're gonna kind of do it with what with your time and how did that switch from being in tech to making music happen mm. <laughs> that's a good question huh yeah, the whole hackathon thing. I mean, when I got to college, I didn't even know about coding at all. Yeah. And then, like, I was on my ADD meds the whole time I was, like, kind of in tech mode. Yeah. I think a lot of the shift did go along with quitting the ADD meds. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, once I discovered, like, building stuff and, like, hackathons, I was just like, wow, the most, like, I was just so convinced in my, like, young mind that the most powerful thing you can do to, like, increase agency in the world mm. is show people that they can build stuff. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think I don't think that's untrue. I mm -hmm. think that's definitely one of the, like, kind of the, the overarching goal there was to increase agency, mm -hmm. give people agency, and like we found a really good like medium for doing so in like having these hackathons and like showing people, in the highest conversion possible that they can like build something, mm -hmm. which was like getting them to Quickly. sit down for a weekend, and like put the other distractions in a different room mm -hmm. and just like build stuff. So, um, so I definitely saw, like, I, I could have seen spending my whole life, and I still could see spending my whole life, like, convincing uh, particularly young people to build things. Mm. Um, and, and it's more about, like, giving giving people agency than it is about whatever they build. I don't mm -hmm. care what they build. I don't care if it's tech. I don't care if it's, like, a cable. Um, but just showing people, like, it, they could they can wish that this problem was solved, or they can wish that they had this thing, and then they can just build it. Because they can. Because, like, a lot of, I mean, not everyone in the world has the resources to do it, but um, there is a good number of people who have those resources, but don't feel the agency. Um, so I still think like between like that, like increasing agency in the world or eradicating loneliness, like those are probably the things I'll spend my life working on. And like to me, a lot of the the music thing is is more that I'm like very hedonistic right now, and I just really enjoy like when I'm on stage and I'm playing music, like I'm I dissolve. I'm not there. Like there is just like. At the end of the show, I have like no clue how the show went until I watched uh -huh. the video because I'm just like I was I wasn't doing anything uh -huh. like, and that's a really important 
point you bring up because a lot of people believe that meditation is going into a cave, sitting for a long time, and just kind of not getting away from your senses and kind of distracting yeah. yourself from your senses and kind of. Um, and so what I've found, especially after going on retreat and doing that for two mm -hmm. years, that coming back, uh, meditation was about living life um, mm -hmm. and about living life in a more full way. Yeah. Um, and so I found that tapping into the senses, being a hedonist as long as you're responsible, is actually a totally viable way to mm. go down the path. Um, now I, you know, I'm not yeah. really far down the path. I'm not a guru. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether this is leading me in the right direction. But it feels right. It feels like I'm living life at the same time as mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, and paying respect to spirit, um, to mm. to to the higher calling. Um, but at the same time, remaining my, in my humanity. Mm. Yeah. I go back and forth on this so much. Yeah. Like, uh, like this almost, it's almost like this idea of like mindfulness versus like mindlessness. Mm. And there's like some, I can imagine that there's like some arguments we made that they're the same thing. Mm. And then another argument to me made that they're like completely like, like on opposite ends of the spectrum. And that when I'm in that state on stage, I'm like not there at all because I don't remember anything. And like some might say that like a trait of mindfulness is that you do remember things. Mm. Um, not really sure. My current version of mindfulness I'm living though that I'm practicing it I would refer to as like mindful hedonism. Mm. Mindful hedonism. That's a good. Yeah, one. like I can use mindfulness to like bring more pleasure yeah. in the moments of pleasure, yeah. uh, and then I can also be more mindful about the the pleasure I'm experiencing and its impact on the the people around me. Yeah. yeah the other thing I was going to mention is just uh. You know, I can give like a justification for why I'm making music and how it maps to my like mission to eradicate loneliness. But yeah. I think when I really like meditate on it, clear my mind, like listen to like the, the deeper why I'm doing it, it just feels good. It just yeah. feels right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you spend a lot of your time and a lot of your time thinking about empowering people um, through the creative act, like actually convincing them that they can create something. Mm -hmm. um, now that we're heading into a world where it becomes way easier to create anything. Mm -hmm. um, humans seem to be getting the powers that would traditionally be ascribed to gods. Um, mm. How do you feel about empowering people, but at the same time, kind of realizing that with this empowerment, there's certain responsibilities that come with that empowerment? Mm. It's kind of like that, uh, what's that? The Spider-Man, like with great power comes great responsibility. There's like that. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not sure exactly, like, I'm not sure how, like, the two, the two play together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because, like, I think a lot of, like, uh, like, if I were to give someone else, like, responsive, like, responsibility, uh -huh. I'm almost, like, uh, deciding, like, my moral set of morals, yeah. my set of ethics, and, like, passing that on to them. Uh. So I think a lot of that is a much more, like, personal yeah. Part of the journey Maybe. like i can show someone like a new like canvas that they can make art and show them like hey look you can mm -hmm. take a paintbrush and you can like paint like this um but then in terms of like giving them like responsibility to paint for like a certain set of people who like need to see art more uh -huh. um the details aren't up to you that's yeah. more i just want to give them the brush i'm yeah. trying to give as many people the brush as possible uh -huh. And then they can paint for themselves and not ever show it to anyone if they want. That's fine with me. Um, but there is some element of like, hey, like I do think there's like people who, would, you know, maybe letting them know there are people who would like really benefit from seeing this art. You know, maybe it'll even like inspire someone else to create stuff like that. I like going from like the positive approach yeah. 
versus like don't paint for these people they already have plenty of paintings you know like wealthy people already have access to like fine art mm. you should only paint for for like a different set of people like i, I don't know i'm just i don't know just thinking in my head yeah um like i don't even want to get so muddled and muddied in those details because i would rather spend that time teaching like the next person mm. to paint with their brush mm. and then i think we'll end up getting uh, art for everyone mm. um, but i guess some art can be dangerous yeah. which is fair that um, we should talk about in a future podcast but uh yeah. but uh Got about five minutes left, and I was wondering, uh, what's the thing that you're most excited that you're working on right now? Oh man, we got a show tonight, Couchsurfing. Uh, it's cool. I think a lot of our shows, um, we either have like very limited space, or like there's like a, a ticket cost. Oh. Whereas like since Couchsurfing is doing this community concert, they're like uh, you know showcasing two local bands. Uh-huh. We're one of them. Um, it's what's like the name of your band? Mission Control. Yeah. Um, we just we get to play like a free show for all our fans tonight. So there's like a bunch of friends who want to come to our shows and stuff, but um, they usually have to like pay for a ticket or there's not space for all of them. Whereas this one, I can just blast out. I'm just like telling all my friends, I'm just like, yo, like come to our show tonight. So cool. pretty excited about that. In terms of like bigger checkpoints, uh, we just had Aphrodite's affair last weekend. You participated in that. That was kind of like if you had asked me this question a week ago or even a month ago, that's what I would be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, now I guess the next big checkpoint, the next big challenge is uh, we, me and my bandmate Nate booked flights to South by Southwest, mm-hmm. and we we're like gonna play a bunch of shows. Um, we don't have any booked yet, <laughs> so that's kind of like the big, uh, the big thing right now. Like, cool. um, like I love South by. I love getting to just see a bunch of new bands debuting and walk down Sixth Street. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't choose what show I'm gonna go to beforehand. I just walk down Sixth Street until I hear music that just pulls me in that I can't resist. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to be that band mm-hmm. that pulls someone in that like resonates with them so much that like hits hits a wavelength that's just going through their body in a way where they're just like, oh, I have to go. Mm-hmm. Like almost like pulled by a energy uh-huh. to like go check out that music uh-huh. um yeah and where can we find your music right now i can find us on spotify search mission control and if you see the heart rocket you found us because love is taken off um, our mission as a band is to create a space where people aren't afraid to love uh-huh. so um i really love that because that through music it's some one of the most powerful ways to transmit that sense of love and not just yeah. not like what your party was about was that it's not just a certain type of romantic love but any yeah. type of love yeah, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of like people loving more. I think most people want to love more, uh, and it's more about the things that are stopping them from like these like barriers. Because to me, I think love is a very like natural state. But we've had pain, we've had experiences, we've had you know neglect from our parents or enmeshment. We talk about these things in psychology um, that hold us back from love. So I think a lot of our music is about you know making people feel less alone in some of those experiences. Um, so that they can heal and, and open themselves back up um, to love. Breaking down the barriers of love. Breaking down the barriers. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Dave, for coming on the podcast. And, uh, everybody check out Dave's music on Spotify. Yeah. Check us out. Mission Control. You see the heart rocket. You found us.